Welcome back, everyone, to a special Romans Empire podcast, our State of the Union pod, a.k.a. the What the Fuck is Going On pod, a.k.a. Someone Pinch Me, I'm Dreaming pod. Um, I'm joined in- by Sam Bagherzade. Should I insert the the alarm uh, sounds right now, the sound effects? Defcon <laughs> 1 right now? I mean, Panic look. Theater. The panic meter is definitely going off. I think the I think it's been going off so long that the battery ran out. So um, it's nothing but silence right now, Sam. It's just numbness. Oh, okay. They ran out of battery. Yeah, it, it, it's it's the same <laughs> feeling that I imagine you know Everton fans feel every single season. Just or Arsenal fans. Or mm-hmm. Arsenal fans. Yeah, for the yeah, <laughs> exactly. But hey, there are some bright sides. We're gonna talk about Hakeem Ziyech. The only bright side of this pod. <laughs> hey, shout out to me for signing him in, in uh, manager mode like four months ago. That was like oh, the only yeah. signing I ever made. You're the transfer whisperer. I called it. I was like, what can I say? Uh, <laughs> Zach, why don't you go through the transfers so I can look up this stat? So, um, in case you guys didn't hear already, we did pick up Hakeem Ziyech. Um, so, a couple different what? numbers floating around, but... Uh, it is within the 45 to 50 million pound range with bonuses and whatnot. So um, I thought it was wait no I thought it was 36.8 pounds and uh, 45 million euros. Okay, well I I, I get the exchange we, rates all all <laughs> fucked up. Yeah, because we ended up paying surprisingly we ended up paying less than drink water for Hakim Ziyech, even after bonuses. <sighs> Frustrating, but um, listen. Nonetheless, I think we could all kind of agree when I say that this is exactly the kind of signing that we needed. Um, so, for those of you that don't that that, that live under a rock, actually, um, and you don't know who who Hakeem Ziyech is, he has probably been uh, one of the most underrated footballers in Europe. Probably the best, one of the best players outside of Europe's top five leagues, if not the best player out of Europe's top five leagues. Um, so, just gonna kind of run through his stats um, this season. Um, so, so far in every Divisie, 19 appearances in total. He has 18 direct goal contributions, six goals and 12 assists. Um, and in the Champions League, the stats get just more, just as probably more impressive uh, in six Champions League appearances because they did get bounced into group stages. Shout out to uh, Chelsea and Valencia. I don't know how they got through, but um, six Champions League appearances, two goals and four assists. But this is the point I kind of want to touch on. You know, we know his reputation as a creator, and we and we know what he can do on the ball. He has a wand of a left foot, um, phenomenal at set pieces. And if you haven't seen it yet, go to YouTube, type in Hakeem Ziyech diagonal ball, oh. and just watch him clip exactly a seventy-yard. Oh god, it was the most beautiful thing Greatest I've ever pass seen. Of all time, probably. The camera was right behind him when he picked up the ball at about you know right about half field, close to the touchline on the right-hand side. Picks his head up and clips like a seventy-yard diagonal, and the camera angle was perfect. The spin on the—I mean, every—it was just a work of art. Um, and, and listen, we know he's world-class going forward. Only 26 years old, so he's approaching his best years. But the thing I like most about him is the fact that he averaged 2.3 tackles per game in the Champions League this year. He averaged two tackles a game in the Eredivisie this season. The guy works hard off the ball. Um, and you could call it the Ajax DNA. 
Um, you know, you could call it work rate, whatever it may be, but this player fits Frank Lampard's mold. And I think this is a signing that's definitely going to get Frank Lampard excited. And, you know, once it comes to fruition, you know, going into next season, I think, I think, I think Chelsea fans are really going to take a, a liking to this guy. Um, uh, but Andres, I'm curious to see, I know you're a big fan of his, but you know, what are some of the things that, um, that, that you think he could bring to the Chelsea side? I mean, how is he going to improve us? Where's he going to play? Well, for one, Ziyech has been the leading assist like provider in the Eredivisie now for two or three seasons, if I'm not mistaken. So the ability to break down those low blocks, I'm hoping that he can find be that spark to finally do that. We we all know that what Mount can bring to the table as a 10, but he's not a playmaker. I think if you're trying to find like a Chelsea comparison of what Hakim Ziyech can do, uh, I'm thinking... Juan Mata and and with with, with pace with pace, size. With yeah. pace a height and, and a little bit more of an eye for goal I don't want to say he's a hazard replacement because I think it's going to take kind of a, a group mentality to ever get that but yeah definitely finding that threading the needle pass in the final third or maybe just taking it upon himself to dribble and put himself in a shooting situation I think he he can get trigger happy at times, but that's something that we don't have anywhere on the field. So yeah, we can please, use some of that. Yeah, please do come. And I, and I think that the one thing that Zia can bring is that whether we're playing on a four three three or a four two three one, compared to to who we have in the squad right now, he either waltzes into the right wing position in a four three three or in a four two three one. He can play on the right or uh, as a ten, and that's where I think he'll actually be playing most of his. His time is if we stick to the four-two-three-one. I fully expect him to be our starting uh, center attacking midfielder. I guess I, I guess if you kind of want to like culminate how he is as a player, I mean it, it, it's it's tough to you know fully judge him up to this point. He ha- he does play in some might call a farmers league, but um, he's a big game player. You know, in the Champions League last year, had a lot of huge huge moments. Um, and especially this year, if you don't remember the ball bouncing off the post, off of Kepa's face into the back of the net, How that was a Kim Ziyech. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, he's a big game player and he performs on the biggest stages. You know, Ajax have definitely been no mugs, um, in the last few years. And he's definitely been, you know, the fulcrum of that attack, essentially the driving force of that attack. Um, him and Dujan Tadic, who just kind of seemed to become ridiculously good out of nowhere, but... <laughs> Um, no, th- this is an exciting signing and Andres, what, you know, the 35 million pounds that we spent on him, that's a joke for the type of player that we'll be getting. If he comes to Chelsea and we have to sell him off in a year for being crap, we're definitely still making our money back. And that's the thing I love most about this deal is that it's low risk, extremely high reward. But then again, I said the same thing about Ross Barkley. So <laughs> I think it's a little bit different. Uh, one thing I also want to say before we kind of move on to the next kind of headline uh, at 26 years old for a young Ajax team, Diek has to be a leader. So he's got, he's kind of, from what I understand, he's more of a leader through example. But the other thing is that Diek definitely has an ego, and we don't have that right now. Like, we don't have. That D, you know, we had it with Diego Costa. Obviously, we had it with Hazard, where where he knows he's good. Mm-hmm. Like Zia kind of has that, and and I'm excited to to have that sort of personality in an offensive position again. 
And I think also, yeah, it, sorry, I don't want to add one quick thing. I wanted to highlight. Yeah. I think that like what Andreas said about his utility, his position of like his ability to play either on the wing or in midfield, like in multiple positions. I think that's the most important piece. And mm-hmm. you know, it's talking about his ego. Like, really, you could play him almost every match. Like, and and yeah. you know, switch out everyone else if you know to keep him happy because I mean, he's a so many different formations with them. He's he's a triple threat. He could defend, he could attack, and he could create, and 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 it's something that we're missing within the squad. And I think you know, it, just the way it suits Lampard's or what Lampard's trying to do, he wants to have a fluid attack with a high counter press. And is capable of, of basically playing anywhere across the front three or the midfield three for that matter. Um, I, I I think that's going to go a long way. But one thing I have been reading up on a lot. Um, and seeing a lot is the fact that Chelsea have been doing their due diligence on this guy, um, not necessarily in terms of how he is as a player, as a as a player on the pitch, but his personality. And that's kind of refreshing because I wish we did that with Alvaro Morata and and Bakayoko and you know a couple other players in recent history that just never seemed to get their heads screwed on straight. You know, Michi Batshuayi even. Um, and, and, and it's just refreshing to kind of see reports of Chelsea being smart about a purchase as opposed to just going after a guy because six other clubs are going after him as well and they feel the need to outbid. I, I just know. find it very I find it very odd. You know, Ziyech did have a, a release clause last summer, and it was somewhere in the range that we purchased him for, and nobody look, even looked at him and or even looked to trigger it. And that kind of baffled me a little bit. And it seemed like Chelsea were sort of unrivaled in their pursuit for him because there was really no other big clubs linked with him, especially in the January window. Um, you know, the the purchase just kind of came out of nowhere. But it is, I mean, I would take Ziyech for the 35 million pounds any day of the week over a Wilfried Zaha, for example, for an 80 million pounds where, you know, you look at a guy who only has, what, two goals all all season in the Premier League and does have personality issues. So, you know, the fact that we did our due diligence on him is refreshing. And I think and I think that's something that Lampard has really harped on as a manager. You know, he does talk about mentality a lot. It's at the it, it's one of the main focuses of, of 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 how he manages his squad is, you know, if you could compose yourself, he wants these young players to learn how to manage games, to learn how to mature as footballers. I think bringing a guy like Ziyech with that kind of experience, that kind of mentality, Andres, that kind of ego, that's going to help the squad. It could only help the squad. So great, great, great signing. I give it an A+, especially for the money. I mean, Zach, you're saying I'm surprised that Chelsea made a smart buy. I mean, look at think look at the last three transfers, okay? Pulisic, 56.7 million pounds. Kovacic, 40.5 million pounds and now Hakeem Zayek 30 33.36 million pounds like those are three amazing purchases for like the price tag like I think I I think that that's a really good sign as far as like one Jaden Sancho could get you a Pulisic a Kovacic and a Ziyech <laughs> basically I mean it, it's look, it, it is what it is buy, yeah. hopefully we, yeah. we do that and we buy Timo Werner too it's, and now we just have more money. Though. Yeah, yeah. Not, 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 I mean, now the fact that we got a bargain buy and essentially filled the void on the right wing um, just gives us that much more to spend on other places in the squad because that was one of the positions where if you had to put your money on it, we would probably go all out in terms of you know financial spending. And the fact that we got a bargain for a guy that's, you know, I don't want to say he's nailed on to be a hit at Chelsea, but there's very, very 
low chance that he's not a hit in the Premier League, it's it's nice. It's it, it's just a good feeling, but it had to be ruined by the Man United match. <laughs> Big time. Like, I mean, it just it makes me so much more willing to sell Conte for that $100 million price tag and bring in, like, a Jadon Sancho and Timo Werner just because these were such good, you know, deals. Like, if you can just get extra money in the war chest to spend on these guys, like, you know, I mean, obviously I'm never going to be pushing for him to be sold, but, like, again, I'm just more willing and open to the idea, like, every day. Look, I think we're all as open as we're going to be. Right. This is the this is the peak. This is definitely the maximum it'll ever reach, <laughs> unless we end up winning the next three matches. Then yeah, it's gonna be out different of story. Um. Oh yeah. I mean, did you did, did you talk about the uh, Jane Sancho and talking to the reps according nope. to France? Was it France football? Was the source <laughs> of all people? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, do are we gonna actually talk about this? Look, France I'm football. sure negotiations I mean, have been – I'm sure we've made approaches. Um, I don't think he's worried about where he's going to be playing his football next summer right now. In the beginning of the season, he had a couple hiccups you know, personality-wise. He missed a couple training sessions. He got a slap on the wrist for it. But he's, since then, he's got his head screwed on straight. And I think he hit – I think in this last match, not Champions League match, but this, the match this past weekend – um, I'm pretty sure he matched his numbers from last season. In his less. Yeah. Um, like so, he's already going to do better than he did last season for like the third season in a row. I mean, he's getting to the point where he almost might be too good for Chelsea in, in, in the sense that, you know, one of the big boys might come in and swoop him and just pay ridiculous money if they, you know, strike it. Like if, a, like, let's say, you know, a Real Madrid strikes out on an Mbappe deal this summer. I'm sure they're going to be looking at players like Jadon Sancho, especially with this youth revolution that they're bringing on over there. You know, Bayern Munich's another club. Jadon Sancho's already familiar with Germany. Um, they need a, they need to fill a void at the wing position. I mean, there's a lot of clubs. Barcelona's another one. Yeah. I, he, Bayern Bayern doesn't spend, so I'm not worried yeah. about them. They're always about finding the cheeky one. I feel like Barcelona's probably – they honestly may have sort of a bad taste in their mouth buying Dortmund players. <laughs> <laughs> after what, the luck they've had with Dembele. But the the thing about this headline that honestly is important to, to remember is that unless we finish in the top four or qualify for Champions League, we can kiss any sort of Sancho hopes goodbye. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's – yeah, that, that I mean that's that's it, isn't it? We got to get this Champions League spot. And it just makes January that much more frustrating. You know, and I was a big proponent of like uh, – not bringing in anybody and just kind of riding it out. But now that the injury bug has seemed to bite Tammy, Cho, Pulisic, basically our best front three is out. Um, now Conte's out. You know, we've and we've just been struggling to be healthy. We have the goalkeeper conundrum. There just seems to be so much toxicity going on right now that looking back, maybe we could have added a player or two this uh, this January. But you know, again. Who would we really have gone after? None of the names that were getting floated around really excited me. The Cavani one made sense. Um, but, you know, of, of course he wanted the Atleti move. It never happened. But besides Cavani, who was there to really go after? Um, I, I, I guess, you know, Holland. But, yeah, good luck getting that one across the line. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, 
going into this summer, we're going to have a shitload to spend. And now that we did bring in Ziyech, we have Cho, we have Pulisic. We we don't really know what's going to happen with Willian, whether he's going to sign a contract extension or not. I think, you know, I I think we're good on the wings. I think that the, that there's other places in the squad that need serious investment now that we you know kind of fill that void on the right side. Yeah, I, I I guess the the way I see it is when if you have the chance to get a level a player of that level, right? Yeah, you kind of take it right. I know in American sports, we hear that a lot more often because we have the draft system and, and teams are like, well, if I don't need this position, you know, I'm going to try to get something else. But in reality, if, if a talent of that level like Sancho is out there for the taking, I mean, we just talked about Ziyech playing the 10. Ziyech is an upgrade to mount at the 10, making the right wing, which was w- usually Williams or chose potentially. That's still an upgrade on the right side. And if that means we're scoring more goals that hide the deficiency in defense, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I, if it's there, you want it, right? Yeah, yeah. Sam, what do you think? Uh, I was, like, looking through the questions, and I saw that uh, London is calling, asked a question saying <laughs> – are Andreas and Zach going to finally admit Ryan of Espo Carlito was right about <laughs> all along about N'Golo Conte? And then I and now I completely regret saying that maybe I want to sell him now. <laughs> I I don't I don't want to admit that he was right. <laughs> I changed my opinion. <laughs> no, look, look, I. But uh, who knows, man? Who who knows at this point? Look, I I I think it was last podcast, the last time we recorded. I was, you know, five weeks ago, eating eating my own words. Yeah, five weeks ago, I would last year probably. I was eating my own words, and you know, saying, you know, I I was wrong for you know wanting to keep Conte all this time and blah blah blah. I'm not like I'm I, if I'm Chelsea, I'm not like openly shopping him, but right. I'm definitely fielding offers as you would with any other player. Um, but yeah, I mean, it does make more sense to sell him now. Would you I, field I, I will give him that. Tammy Abraham. Fuck no. Okay, well, so you just you said like any other player. <laughs> Listen, no. if someone came up to me with 150 million and said, "Give me Tammy Abraham," of course you're gonna do it. Uh, but that's <laughs> what I'm came saying. Up to you for 100, there... 150 million, it's like I, I mean I, I, I would I, quit. I can't, I can't guarantee it, but <laughs> give me the money. <laughs> no. No. Um, no, but but uh, I'm saying an astronomical offer has to come in. Like we we have to get our money's worth for Conte. We have to sell him as a World Cup winner, as a two-time Premier League champion, as a potential as a, Euro Cup winner in this summer. Yeah, yeah. Nice. You know, it's yeah. if we if, if the right money comes along, I, why not? You know, it's it, it's business. At yeah. the end of the day. I mean, that yeah. I mean, honestly, I think that would be good business. Uh, but what what would be good business though if you wanted to sell Conte? Like what number would you be? I mean, this inclined is to sell him at like whatever amount gets you Jane Sancho, and a little bit. Yeah, uh, we are. I feel like we already have the money for Sancho. If I can get I, the you money, can, you can get also get Timo Werner too. Well, if I can get the money from Conte to get a center mid of like. Milinkovic Savic, like a bo- true box to box that has offensive output. That, of that caliber, then I'll be okay. Like I, I, I'll be happy at that point. I think the main thing is there has to be an upgrade in that position. 
because I, because I think I think our strongest attribute right now as a squad is our midfield. Yeah. Because we do go five or six deep. Yeah. Um, I'm not counting Ross Barkley. I'm counting Billy Gilmore. Damn it. Um, <laughs> but uh, no. It, it, if you're gonna sell Conte, yeah, you got to bring someone in that's gonna be a significant upgrade on him. Or like, and like Andres like was saying, Bali too, Andres. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, could bring in at a that point, Bali that's I'd that's pr- fine with me too. I would prioritize yeah. that. Over no, but, but someone but, that but, has, someone that will add defensive value to the team compared to what Conte once did. How about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. You know exactly. that you know that defensive mid on uh, Borussia uh, Gladbach? Zakaria. Yeah, bro. Yeah, he's play. a baller. He's nuts. He's a freak, man. Like, that guy has that guy's genetically superior to every other footballer he plays like, plays against. I saw him play and I was like, wow, that could be like the perfect successor to Ngolo Conte. He was I he was exactly he was exactly how we sold Bakayoko on our first podcast after we purchased him. Like that was exactly <laughs> how I described Bakayoko. Yeah. Uh Hopefully God. he's a little bit better, but I mean I like, I mean, I haven't seen any rumors or anything like that, you know? I'm not reporting no, or no. anything like that, but I'm just saying, I think, like, if we can get someone like him to replace N'Golo Conte, but it just depends also, like, you're saying you got to replace N'Golo Conte, but again, he doesn't fit in our in our system. Like, what, yeah, but what you gotta... would you replace him with? Like, Indeedy. What... I would take yeah, Indeedy in a heartbeat for, sure. for like, oh, 50. You get, you get Indeedy, then you're not getting Chilwell. I mean, it... it it, oh, oh, that's right, the thing. Right. And 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 I don't know if Leicester's going to be inclined to sell. I mean, they're they're going to sell one of Ndidi or Madison this summer, and I don't think there's any way that they sell both of them. They sell they sell Ndidi before they sell Madison. They hmm. they they have some sort of knack for finding good defensive midfielders. I mean, they replaced Conte with Ndidi. Yeah. There was yeah, no that's... lag period there. Yeah. Plus, Madison is like a potential golden child of England kind of thing. Like they, they're, I don't see him leaving. Yeah, that's true. But some to kind of go back on your on your uh, Zakaria shout out. Um, I don't think he's interested in moving. He's in a Champions League spot right now, <laughs> and that team's pretty damn good. They're sick. That's like that was like my dad's like, surprise original team. Like I have family like that supports them from Germany. Uh, oh, there you go. But uh. Yeah, let, let, let's talk about uh, some bad business. When we're talking about good business, let's talk about bad business, and that in particular is Mr. Keppa. Uh, again, like just has been vi- this this Keppa conundrum has been crazy. I mean, sitting sitting him for that, uh, benching him for that Man United game is was like a message if ever there was. We got a question from Ari Jonker, and it's I think the first. This is their first time asking, right? I've never... Yeah, think so. so. Shout out to Ari. Welcome to Roman's Empire. He asks, hey, fellas, just curious as to who your dream goalkeeping signer, goalkeeper signing, is to keep to replace Willie, <laughs> to replace Willie or Keppa. Uh, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like, yeah, to replace Willie, you know, because Willie is our keeper. Uh, besides <laughs> having Lord Peter putting it's back on the gloves, obviously... And who do you think the realistic options are for us at the moment? I mean, at the moment, it's Willie. I mean, at this moment, right? I mean, <laughs> when does, like, Bring on he... Jamie Cumming. Is Green yeah. still with us? Uh, does he retire? He's a free agent. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know what it's going to take 
to see Keppa back in the starting lineup. I mean, it seems like Frank's just done with them. I don't know. It, it, we, we don't we don't hear much. I mean, obviously this could be just a tactic to fire, you know, know. light a fire under his ass. But who knows how long it'll last? So yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna shit on you for a second because Why? we you know you talked about all the good business that we've done recently, and this one just completely <laughs> negates all the good business that we did. I, I said our we, last we went out, three. I didn't say we the last went out four. and and notoriously failed to sign Allison. I mean, it seemed like he was coming to Chelsea at one point. Um, and then obviously he goes to Liverpool and, you know, for, to be fair to him for all the hype that surrounds him, he's a fucking damn good goalkeeper. Um, probably the best in England right now. So the fact that we had to turn around and spend even more money to pick up Keppa, who had deficiencies going in. Like we knew he wasn't the biggest goalkeeper and we knew he wasn't necessarily uh, battle hardened in the sense that he never got champion. He did. He's a young goalkeeper, no champions league experience. He was, you know, the, I don't know if it was self-proclaimed number two for Spain or Spanish fans and were actually saying, you know, this is our guy moving forward, but it seems like his replacement at Bilbao now is doing better than he ever was. And, <laughs> We spent seventy plus million on a, a, a crybaby that that complains about everything. He blames everybody but himself. He hasn't imposed himself on the squad or within the squad or in games. Um, and you know, yeah, a, a, a couple penalty saves in the Europa League, sure, but we need more than that. A, a club like Chelsea needs more than that, and I just think it's a matter of him not being good enough. So to answer. Um, Ari's question, some of the names I know have been floating around, most famously the Onana rumors uh, from Ajax, whether or not they're going to sell him on, um, not too sure. I think we should be paying close attention to their summer activities early on. Ajax does like to do their business early, and their signings are never you know, front-page news. So <laughs> I would advise for everyone to see if they sign a goalkeeper because that would be a telltale sign. Uh, but there's Merritt from uh, from Napoli, who's you know highly touted, but again a young goalkeeper. Um, and that, but one that's really interesting to me and has been phenomenal this season, that's pretty undeniable, is uh, is Strakosha from uh, Lazio. Um, he's he's really had an impressive season. Lazio in general have been impressive, but um, I, I I watched the Inter match last week and a couple big saves. Um, great with his feet. He's absolutely massive, incredibly athletic. He just seems like a ready-made goalkeeper to step into the Premier League and shine. So, um, out of those, out of those players, obviously Onana would be the number one, but uh, Strakosha would definitely be a low-key signing, and I don't think he would come as expensive. Um, I think we could probably get him for you know around the 35, 40 million pound range. Man, I. It's going to be really hard to see Chelsea sell Kepa. I think they'll probably... I, so here's the thing. We still have plenty of time in the season. And Lampard did recently say that he's liked how Kepa has reacted to being benched in training and whatnot. So you never know. I, I still think it might be, in terms business-wise, too early to sell him. Plus, we're not going to get our money back for him right now. So I think worst-case scenario, he'll get loaned out. Like worst case scenario, he'll get loaned out at the uh, you know to a team next summer. Uh, 
In terms of who we could get, yeah, Onana seems to be the only person that is like realistic in terms of quality and actually potentially wanting to leave it their club. Mm-hmm. He's obviously won everything at Ajax, and yes, he's played in the Champions League with Ajax, but I mean, everyone wants a new challenge. Um, he's ridiculous too. He's so good. If we if we want to get if we want to play the the what if game. AC Milan is complete trash, and Donnarumma <laughs> is probably, what, 21 at this point? Barely. He's still super young. Um, Italy's number one. I think that's Juve's next number one. I mean, Chesney's not done anything bad for the, you know, for you, for at Juve, so you never know. Um, a, a player that I wish we would have kept, who is now in a crappy position again in terms of pecking order, uh, Bolka would have been cool to keep. keep it. And then the third he was going into PSG thinking he was going to get a chance to be their number two and then PSG signed not only Kaylor Navas but they also got I think Neto or something like the the Valencia yeah. keeper so now he's the third keeper again so it would have been nice to keep him he was like he's like six five obviously super imposing physically we're not playing sorry ball anymore and even Kepa was not that good with his feet to begin with so just going back to a traditional monster-sized keeper, that would have been kind of cool to have him there. But, yeah, I mean, I still find it really hard to, to think that Kepa's career at Chelsea's done as of today. So It's just going to be really hard to move him on, and that's the thing. I think we, we handicapped ourselves by investing so much in him, and I don't think Chelsea are willing to depart. If, if Chelsea's shown us anything, it's when they invest big money, they're very reluctant to, yeah. to take the chance of selling too early. I guess you could say we we talk about Bakayoko. He's technically still our player. <laughs> well, I mean, look at Murata. He he. I mean, he should have been gone a lot sooner than he actually was. So and yeah, he's finally off in the summer for fifty. But yeah, I mean, yeah. We, you said Chelsea's not going to sell unless it makes business sense. And also PR wise, we made him the world record signing to turn around two years later. I, man, I, I still think that there's some hope for him to to yeah. do good. But yeah, that's a tough one. Look, I, I I think the key for Chelsea, and if they are actually looking into a new goalkeeper, and this is, a, of course, just speculation. You know, we're not insiders for it by any extent. Um, but but I, I think if Chelsea are going to learn from any mistake besides overspending, is you got to get a goalkeeper with size, with some sort of physicality, especially in a Premier League. You look at all the great goalkeepers in the past, in the Premier League specifically, they were massive, they were huge, and I think I, I think David de Gea is an outlier just because you know. He's just brilliant all around as a goalkeeper. And, you know, he has had his struggles as of late. But, look, I mean, at the end of the day, the guy's ridiculous. Um, Kepa is not De Gea. And, and, and that's my point. You know, you look at the other small goalkeepers in the league, like a Jordan Pickford, struggles. I mean, it, it, they struggle to defend corner kicks. They struggle to defend set pieces. Um, any a, any sort of ball in the box that's that's, you know, above his head they're going to struggle with. And I think Kepa's definitely struggled with that. And I think that's why he's so reluctant to come out for crosses, which I think is one of the biggest sources of frustration for Frank, especially if he's going to have Peter check in his ear, you know, criticizing every move that Kepa makes. But I think it's undeniable that, that, you know, Willie Caballero is actually a pretty decent shot stopper. Um, but Definitely not the Chelsea quality that we're that, that we're going to need in the future. But yeah, I mean, how do how do you sell Kepa? Who and 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 the other question is who would really who who would buy him? 
I think Bilbao would be down and take him down. Take him no, no, Bilbao replaced him with someone else, and now that guy's balling out. So, bro, they always they're have, good. Like, they always have like four amazing keepers. The, uh, yeah, Bilbao, Bilbao is yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they 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 do produce a lot of good young talent. But I mean, I'm looking at I'm looking across Europe. Dude, you know, Bilbao they're... only has one foreign player on their team. Everyone else is Spanish. Yeah, not even just Spanish. They're all Basque. Like they're yeah, all, all Basque. from the Basque country. Yeah, yeah. Hey, how about Peter? Peter, uh, what's his name? Gulaxi, the Gulaxi, oh, yeah. the yeah. Red Bull Leipzig keeper. My he's God, he was big. good today. Yeah, he's he's big too. He's like. He's like six three. There's a lot of good goal. Th there's a lot of good goalkeepers around. I mean, a couple summers ago, when you know the 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 when Chelsea United or Chelsea City and Liverpool, when they all went out and bought like top you know top rated goalkeepers, everybody was like, oh, though that's a golden generation for goalkeepers. You know, they're gonna have to wait another five six years for you know that many good goalkeepers to become available. I think there's just as many. In this in this upcoming transfer window, I mean, we just rattled off five names off the top of the head, and I'm sure if we look in a little bit deeper, we're gonna find more goalkeepers that deserve more playing time that have potential to be world class that are out there for decent prices. But again, Andre said, how how are we gonna move that guy? There's, it's gonna be nearly impossible to to recoup our money. So I think up mm -hmm. until the point where Chelsea feel that their investment is just not gonna pay itself off, um, they're gonna stick with him. There's no other way around it. Before we move on to the transfers, I mean, from move on from transfers, uh, do you guys think that he starts this weekend? I think he does. I think yeah. He against I I think he does too. Um, I just I and it the only reason why I say that him, though, I think I I think he. I think Frank has to anticipate that his goalkeepers are going to have to come off their line against Spurs, especially if they're going to hit us with pace on the counter. I mean, it just makes more sense to play Keppo there. All right. So, again, this is the State of the Union. Where are we right now? Okay, right now it's February 19th. Uh, we'll be probably February 20th when this is posted. Carabao Cup, we got bounced by Man United back in the fall. Just, again, losing to Man United every opportunity. FA Cup, we're in the fifth round, but unfortunately we're playing against Liverpool instead of, was it Shrewsbury? Yep. Uh, yeah. So that's unlucky. Champions League round of 16 matchup against Bayern Munich, which may honestly have been a favorable draw against as opposed to At Atalanta, who's sick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're so good this year. Premier League, we're sitting in fourth, which is, uh, I mean, it's good right now. We're only one point away from fifth place right now, and we who are. Who we face this weekend? Yeah, yeah, we're one one point behind Tottenham, who is in fifth, and we are only four points or three points behind Man United at seventh. So it's very possible that we could j jump down to seventh. Uh, but uh, you know, with that being said, here's uh the newest portion, the newest edition of my newest segment shitty Chelsea facts that you don't want to hear but I'm going to say anyway so <laughs> that one point that one point gap at one point was nine points from fifth place okay but we've only obtained 15 total points in our last 14 Premier League matches 15 points in the last 14 okay four wins 
against Tottenham, Arsenal, Burnley, Aston Villa. Okay. Three draws against Arsenal, Brighton. All right, shout out to Brighton, Leicester. And seven losses, Newcastle, Southampton, Everton, West Ham, Man United, Bournemouth, Man City. But, I mean, those losses are brutal. Brutal, man. It, it's been a – this stretch right now has been one of the worst I've experienced. I mean, Chelsea have lost as many Premier, Premier League home games this season as they did between February 2004 and November 2010. Six, six over six-year span. We've won – we've lost as many Premier League home game, games this season as we did then. Uh, Zach, did you already say this conceded off corners stat? Yep. Yeah, I'm just gonna say it again because it sucks <laughs> so much. We've conceded eight goals off corners in the Premier League, which is now the second most, only one behind Aston Villa. So, I mean, it's just every week we get, I get so many of these uh, terrible, shitty facts that just I don't want to hear, but I'm gonna say anyway because that's the only way to. <laughs> really describe what's going on right now until just... they give you a reason to say good stats yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> until then, i'm gonna keep on repeating these uh but it's it's it it's been a really rough like i'm being you know serious now like i really don't understand what's going on obviously injuries play a big factor in it but a lot of these losses are just like out of nowhere and like you know like just no, no cohesion whatsoever with the team uh i think the worst part it? is all these all these losses like like we just see them coming sorry Sam. i know you said how do we fix it but no go you know I, I, i'm looking at the list of losses here and i mean there's some obviously there's some poor ones here but you just start to imagine what could have been if we can at least draw some of those games i mean that's another maybe three or four points that we could have picked up in that span. If you're going to finish in a top four, you cannot be dropping seven of your last 14 matches. Um, you can't be dropping seven matches across the whole season, generally. I mean, I think this season's outlier, but how do we fix it? See, th this is a tough one because our hands are tied. Again, you know, we had the chance to go out and buy players and to try and at least fill in the squad um, where there's obvious deficiencies and we haven't done that. Um, but I think, you know, we did talk about it in our previous podcast in the Man United uh, review. Um, Andres mentioned it, but this, this whole idea of Frank being wedded to his philosophy is just very sorry. Yes. Actionary. We, we got to be able to adapt to other teams. It's that simple. So, Maybe maybe shoring things up at the back should be a priority at this point, as opposed to you know creating and finishing chances. Um, we tend to be at our best when we're running at teams and when there's space to run into, especially. So maybe taking our foot off the gas in terms of dominating possession and you know trying to play this beautiful expansive football, which just isn't coming off uh, at the moment, and making things boring and rugged and making us really difficult to break down. I think that should be the main priority right now. We got to stop leaking goals before we can start scoring them. We're not doing either of those things. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, right? so, I mean, the, the issues have been the exact same this whole season where you're awful at following our men and crosses, whether they're in set pieces or whether they're in the run of play. 
Both goals against United were off crosses. I don't want to discredit Martial because his goal was amazing. The way he got, he beat Christensen ahead of the ball and the placement was great. But still, a cross beats us each time. The Newcastle game, we talked about losses that shouldn't have been losses. Newcastle beat us in the last minute with a cross. Man, uh, United did so too. We lost to Everton was a 3-1. I think two of those goals were crosses. I mean, we have... The thing is, we have some size there, so it's a matter of just people not ball watching. And I, and I don't know how you fix that, how you can possibly teach that. You have to watch tape and just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how you fix that specific issue. But I want to be optimistic a little bit and rewind to Chelsea's roster situation in August when the Premier League was starting. And we started the season with N'Golo Conte injured. We started the season with Rudiger injured. And we started the season with Christensen kind of niggles here and there. So he was in and out of the side. And out, chill out. Yeah, yeah. Th- those guys were out. Mm-hmm. So our starting 11 at that point consisted of Kepa and goal, Emerson or Alonso on the left, Tomori Zuma in the middle, Aspie on the right, a double pivot of Kovacic and, and Jorginho. And then the front four that we got very used to, Pulisic, Mount, Willian, and Abraham. So fast forward to here now. We've now got Reese James finally healthy, so he gets to play on the right. He should always play on the right. Uh, and you have Aspie on the left to sure up the, the fullback position because Alonzo and, and Emerson have kind of fallen off their start of the season form. But the partnership that we haven't seen in a long time that seemed so successful was the Zuma-Tomori partnership at center back. Mm-hmm. Zach, or you you guys talked about cohesion just now. Because of the injury to Rudiger and the, the Niggles to Christensen, those two guys had a complete understanding. At least it felt that way. Yes, the goals still came in set pieces and whatnot, and those might not always have been on them two individually, but they had an understanding. They don't – neither of those guys overcomplicate what they do with the ball – and defensively, Zuma was the more the, more of the aggressor, and Tomori was more of the cleanup man. They had it figured out. During their, I'm pretty sure their win percentage as a duo was something close to 80%. They were also the duo that was part of the win streak. I also bring the park of cohesion. Jorginho and Kovacic. Yes, Jorginho is not the most physically talented player, but Jorginho and Kovacic in the double pivot seemed to be just, it worked. Whatever they were doing, it was working. The way, how quickly or, or how cleanly we were moving the ball with those two in the double pivot, it was working. Uh, we have Willing on the right. He's kind of lost his purple patch. Not sure why. Pulisic is supposed to return soon. And and Mount needs a break, and hopefully RLC can give him that to play in the, in the middle of that front three. So maybe we can get back to that 4-2-3-1 with those two duos, whether both in the midfield with Kovacic and Jorginho and both Tomori and Zuma, and, and kind of try to find that cohesion again. Because when everybody got healthy in the fall, right as we approached the winter break, we were switching up the 11 so often that there was no cohesion, no matter where you're thinking about it. You had Aspie playing on the right, Aspie playing on the left, Rudiger, Christians, and Zuma, Tomori all rotating. You also had to rotate because Frank wanted to stay in the 4-2-3-1. Conte had to be rotated back in, messing up that cohesion. Then Cho started playing well. You have Willie and Cho, Pulisic all moving. 
The only guy that probably the only two guys that didn't get rotated were probably Mountain Tammy, and now they got hurt because of it. But like, for a short period of time, also was causing issues. So finding a, a an eleven and then rotating one piece here, one piece there might be the right move. And I'm hoping to to be optimistic that we can go back to that Tamori Zuma center back pairing, and and hopefully we can re kind of have lightning strike twice with the Kovacic and Jorginho midfield and and get a couple of, of results because our form map is something like win-loss, draw, win-loss, draw, win-loss, win-loss, draw, win-loss, draw. Like there is no win streak since we had those guys playing together in the back. So that's my plan, I guess you could say, with a little bit of reactionary stuff like Zach mentioned. We, we dropped a back three against Liverpool, who we also have to play in the league. Maybe we match a back three when we play Wolves the last week of the season. But at this point, we have to play the 4-2-3-1 because of the injuries. But we haven't seen that Tomori Zuma back for center back partnership in a long time. Yeah, I mean, the best back lines in Europe have familiarity with each other. So, I mean, it makes complete sense. Um, I wouldn't say we were more defensively solid earlier on in the season, but... You know, whatever center back pairing Frank wants to go with, he should just stick with. I think he's trying to do that with uh, Christensen and Rudiger. But the problem for me is that there's just not enough physicality in that. And, uh, you know, I know I know Rudiger is, you know, he's a he's an intense player. He's a physical player in general. Um, but it just it, it hasn't been good enough from either of them right now. And I think we I, I, I think we got a little more solid when Zuma came in, to be completely honest, against United. Um, obviously he got a goal, got really fired up by it. It should have been a goal at least. Um, but then again, you have the Tomori conundrum. So like we talked about this a lot where we essentially have four center backs that are of similar caliber and similar quality. Um, you know, I, I would still say Rudiger would be our best one at this point in time, but it's just some, it's just something else to look into at the summer because, at least two of them have to go. I mean, you really you really need three center backs, three solid center backs, and maybe a fourth rotational guy to jump in. Um, and, and right now we just have four that are of similar quality and similar ilk. And I, I, I don't necessarily think any combination of them would be a solution to our problem. Um, I just think, you know, it, it, it starts with our playing style. If if our press isn't working to perfection, we're going to be vulnerable at the back. It's just it's just the name of the game, and it's the risk that Frank keeps taking day in and day out, and part of the reason why we why we look so vulnerable. But um, yeah, it's it's a tricky one, and the thing is, he doesn't really have anything new to work with. If anything, he has less to work with than when the season started. I mean, we were still riddled with injuries when it did start, but look at us now. I mean, we're basically stuck in the same boat. All right, I think we're going to go with the last question. This one's from at Bone Daddy Cool, a.k.a. Ron, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Deluxe. What and, a great way to send off the pod song. Yeah, um, he asks, how realistic is Champions League qualification as of this moment? So, again, uh, it's, if we don't, we're not 100% sure if the, the uh, Champions League ban for Man City is going to be held up or whatever as if it's going to be appealed but what we think at this current moment is going to happen is that since they're ineligible for champions league top five 
you know, will if if Man City's finishes top four, top five will make it, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, besides City, obviously. So, um, so in the rest of the season, we still have Tottenham, Liverpool, City, Sheffield United, and Wolves. I mean, Sheffield United is actually really good. Like, I mean, their <laughs> defense is. I, I haven't watched a lot, but I, we didn't we didn't talk about. Dean Henderson as a possible option for next year. Yeah, uh, so. not a not a possible option. He's Man United's boy. <laughs> no, and, and that's team, the thing. Do you, no, 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 no. He's 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 loaned from Man United. So yeah, I think everybody yeah. that's writing articles linking us with him doesn't know that. <laughs> Why would Man United sell sell him to us to make us better? I didn't know that. <laughs> well, good thing I'm not a writer. Um, yeah, but in Champions League, we're set to face Bayern. Uh, who knows how that's gonna finish? I mean, let's let's uh, just assume that we won't win Champions League this year. Is that <laughs> can we all agree that? So the qualification will probably come from yeah, okay top four. All right, quality overall quality <laughs> of the squad between 2012 and today. I mean, yeah, you're right. We we had Ryan Bertrand on the left wing <laughs> exactly. for one that's game. That's we exactly all missing. But... Solomon Kalu on the other. <laughs> okay, due to what red card accumulate, the yellow card accumulation. I don't yeah, want to hear about it. the one match, but still, yeah, yeah, that was one ninety-minute performance. We had how many? How many more do we have after Bayern to even get to that point? <laughs> yeah, like in order to make a run like that, you have to have like good things happen to you. For us, it's been the exact opposite. Like this season has been <laughs> shit, like over and over again. We're not gonna have a magical word, run all think... of a sudden. I think the phrase we're looking for is the rub of the green, but to Chelsea fans, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I don't yeah. But I don't know. Look, I mean our odds of qualifying, I mean, they're still alive. Frank said in his press conference after Man United, like the season starts now, right? This is our season. We're one point ahead in fourth. You know, we've surprised a lot of people to be here at this point. So like let's get our head let's get our hands dirty and really dig in and and, and try and finish in his top four. I think it's very dependent on when Tammy Abraham comes back. Um, also, and I'm not saying this because I'm an American, but when Pulisic comes back, uh, yep. you know, he, he gives us a spark. He runs at defenders. He he just gives. He he has something different that he's direct. Nobody else has. Yeah, and 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 it's similar. It's similar to what Cho was doing for us last year, and we've seen it in bits and pieces this year. It hasn't been consistent, but Pulisic seems to do that almost every game, whether he's having a good game or not, he's still running at defenders and he's still causing some sort of problem. So we need Tammy back. We need Pulisic back. If we could get them back within the next game or two, um, I think there's a very good chance we could finish in a top five. You know, we talk about our squad depth. What about the likes of Wolves or Sheffield? They don't have squad depth. They've been pretty fortunate with their injuries. Yeah, they're not playing in as many competitions, but injuries are going to come to bite them in the butt and they are going to drop points. And, you know, from here on out, um, from a Chelsea perspective, at least, it's a pretty good time to be playing the the tough teams because you definitely don't want to be playing the relegation sides at the moment. (laughs) You don't want to be playing the Villas and the Bournemouths and the West Hams and the Watfords. I mean, this is the time of the season where they pick up most of their points. So definitely realistic. If I had to put a percentage on it, though, some – I would go 
Like, wait, you're saying like 75% chance we make it, 25% that we make chance it. we don't? Like a 75% chance, I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> and, and a 25% chance you're 0% that sure? That I'm sure. No, 25% chance I'm sure we'll make it. Oh my god, too many numbers. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, that was confusing because those add up to 100%. You, yeah. yeah, no, okay, listen. 75% chance that we will qualify for the Champions League. How do you there like you that? There you go. Yeah. There you go. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit lower because, unfortunately, United are somehow as as awful as Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been. They get results, and when we even when they play poorly, and we don't get results when we play poorly. Tottenham's on fire. And, yeah, you talk about Sheffield and, and Wolves. You know, they don't have the squad depth. Well, they don't really need it because, like you said, they play in less competitions, and they're not looking to – if you're looking for a react two reactionary sides, that's them. They're not looking to to come and put four past their opponents. They just need one or two. So I, I'm going to go a little bit lower. I'm going to go sixty percent, and and it's because it's on us. We could have mm-hmm. we could have already sealed the deal on this with literally three better results. But yeah. here we are now at the worst time when we have the hardest run of games we've had all season. I. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be hard if if I, we don't if we don't beat Tottenham, the sixty per sixty five percent drops to forty percent. I'm not I'm not necessarily more worried about you know or, or I'm not com uh, my seventy five percent doesn't come from me being confident that the team will get their shit together and pull it off. My confidence comes from the fact that Sheffield United is eventually gonna drop points. And, you know, there's a potential for Wolves to fall off. Like, like let's say Raul Jimenez gets injured three weeks, three matches. That's nine points dropped, <laughs> right? Sheffield, um, but, but Sheffield doesn't have to – the only big team Sheffield – okay, let's let's talk Sheffield. United, Tottenham, Chelsea, and Leicester. They don't have City or Liverpool anymore. Like – I don't know. They they have some points like a tie against Sheffield doesn't do us any good. Like they can tie the the bigger the I'm quote unquote sure teams they're contending them first with. Time too. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And we should have lost. Yeah, I no, we should have won. We we lost off a last second own goal. That sure. was bullshit. Like the beginning of the season. It was such it was bullshit. bullshit. But I remember like I yeah I remember like outplaying them. Like. <laughs> I, I I remember that being I remember loot or drawing that game. It felt like a loss, but I remember my feeling after that game was like, wow, this fucking sucks. But who, who like who am I to talk at that point? Because there's 13 other games from there on where I'm going to be just as if not more disappointed. Yeah. Sam, what do you think? I'm I'm closer to 50-50, honestly. Like, yeah, it's it's not looking good. I mean, it's just the the, the I just remember, like, probably, like, four matches ago, I was like, oh, we have a sizable gap. Like, this, I was like, I'm not even upset about losing. And it's like, you know, Andreas is saying, dude, those are, like, drop points that, like, if we if we want it, like, er, look at all the other teams that are losing below us. Like, if we want that, it gives us a gap. And, like, everything's been going right for us, except for us winning. Uh, and right now our destiny is still in our hands, like, it, it's been in our hands the last couple of weeks, but still, like, we've been getting lucky. But I don't know. 
I, I think it's only so like you can only get so lucky for so long. It's not it's not gonna last. And you know like having to rely on other teams' results. You know it's a game that you have no control over is not a recipe for success. Like that's we're Chelsea. We shouldn't have to do that. Exactly. Like that's that's you know that's 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 my point. Like it's more important how the other games results go because <laughs> we're probably not like like we're probably gonna drop points like it's a guarantee i'm i hate being <sighs> so pessimistic that's it's not fun so hey hey well i'm gonna fun. end it on a positive note like frank said at this point nobody expected us to be in the top four before this season started if we got to the knockout stages and finished top six, I would have bitten your arm off. Shut the hell up, bro. So no, over that, no. Bro. At this point, no, 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 no. We got to bring it back down to earth. We really do because what, what, what you, do you know, think there's United so much. Of the listen, of the season, there, huh? there's some. There's so there is so much negativity surrounding Chelsea Football Club right now, more than there should be. And, How excited and I, is Hakim Ziyech going to be next year to not God. have European soccer, bro? Come on. This is huge, oh my man. god! Uh, Hakim Ziyech is going back to Real Madrid, and he's going to start on the right for the next ten years. So, um, but no, guys, look, we're we we're, we still have a chance. So as long as we still have a chance, we have to be somewhat optimistic. Our destiny is in we our cannot, own hands, man. We cannot feed into all those losers on Twitter and Instagram and social media that have literal meltdowns. Um, you know, some warranted, some not so warranted, but. Like, like we, we can't feed into that. I think the whole reason why we started this podcast was to get our voices heard, and we just – we can't fall victim to that fucking media bullshit. So fourth place, we're still one point ahead from Spurs, um, and we still definitely have a chance to qualify some. So yeah, suck on those. We have a chance, yeah. We're, but, we're in position yeah. to qualify. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So let's look at the glass as half full. <laughs> Fuck. All right. I am not ending this fucking podcast on a negative note. I need you I to am. agree with me. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We're, we're gonna make it. it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm, we're gonna I'm make it. I'm ninety-five percent sure we have a twenty-two percent chance of making it. There we go. <laughs> there we go. And and, that, and that's that's some math that I can understand. Um. Anyways, guys. Thank you for listening to this pod again, State of the Union pod. I think we're definitely going to do it more. This is something that we don't do enough. Um, but Let's anyways, follow us year. on – yeah, well, well, once a year or – yeah, That's I guess. <laughs> but uh, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter, at uh, Roman's Empire pod. Um, you can also uh, follow us on Instagram. Uh, we are semi-active on Instagram. By that I mean I post once every few months. So, um, what do you guys think? Yeah, what do you guys think? Uh, but anyway. Hi.